When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. And welcome to the game. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I'm here with the latest opinion and analysis from the Times. Here to discuss tributes, retirements, handshakes, discipline, chanting, language, maybe even some football. It's Tony Evans, it's Rory Smith, and from beautiful Warrington, it's James Ducker. Later, we're going to go all moral maze on you, and uh, the panel will be discussing what counts as banter and what's just plain offensive. But let's start at Anfield. It looked to me like Liverpool had the upper hand for much of the game. Brendan Rodgers certainly felt that way. So if you're a Liverpool fan, results aside, is your glass half full right now? Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, it's not about being on top. It's about getting the points. And, um, you know, there's not enough goals in that team. It's all right playing good football. It's all right saying, oh, we were the better side. As you know, the Americans have a saying, scoreboard, dude. And... um, you know, they, they got beat and, you know, I can't see them scoring a lot of goals um, and I can't see them picking up that many points. I think they've got problems and, you know, people are saying to me all the time, oh, well, look at the foundations, oh, the passing, as if Liverpool have never passed a bloody ball before. You know, it's um, they're not passing in dangerous areas, they're not hurting people and they're getting beat by teams they shouldn't get beat by and one of them was Manchester United yesterday. Ducker, uh, do you subscribe to that, that Liverpool should not have been beaten by Manchester United? Um, At least, yeah, the, 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 the version of United we saw yesterday. No, I mean, you know, the, 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 the teams are very different kind of junctures. But, I mean, I, I thought United, I, I thought United were extremely relieved probably that Liverpool were down to 10 men because I just could not see them overcoming, you know, Brendan Rodgers' team, you know, 11 v 11. I thought Liverpool were... were um, were on top and I thought even in the second half they did pretty well you know considering the numerical disadvantage um, so I, I just think it's I, I just think it's a bit it's a bit difficult to draw you know too much judgement um, when they've lost against uh, you know with 10 men to a team that are, are, are going to have a good stab at winning, winning the title um, um, I, 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 you know Brendan Bren Rodgers is going to get a <laughs> It's a difficult position that he's in now. My, my one kind of slightly, my one slight kind of criticism is that um, 
is that he's, he's obviously got a forward there in Luis Suarez who um, who is a very kind of very very capable playmaker but um, isn't isn't a prolific goal scorer or kind of a ruthless finisher and I, I just kind of watching kind of Barini I mean I know he scored I know he had a decent a very decent goals record for Roma last season but but kind of watching him I, I just don't know whether he's that kind of and I might be wrong it's very early days that that kind of lethal marksman that he need that he needed and I just wonder whether I just wonder whether the priority really should have been to to use that 10 million or so that they had to try and try and get a, a more of an out and out goal scorer than a Barini figure who well, who to me maybe looks you know you know more of a kind of um well, 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 less of an out-and-out goal scorer. I think the plan, might, well, if, if you did get uh, uh, an out-and-out goal scorer, you would have had to move Suarez to the wing, which may or may not be something you didn't want to do. But um, out-and-out goal scorer, perhaps we've got Stephen Fletcher's biggest fan right here in, uh, in, in Rory. Uh, do you buy that? I mean, it's, it's an old argument we've made with, with Brendan Rodgers and lack of a cutting edge. But more broadly speaking, these are the guys he has. Barini, Suarez, Raheem Sterling. Is... Is he is he doing a good a, jo- a good enough job of making that front three work? I think the days of supply of, of supply dependent goal scorers are probably over. Like you, you'd look at players like even like Huntelaar, who's a really sort of old fashioned centre forward in that sense. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out. Supply dependent centre forwards who goal scorers. <laughs> centre forwards who do nothing but score goals are old fashioned. You can't have them. You've got to have Ruth, a more rounded. Yeah, no, take your point. Right? Van Isra or Inzaghi, they're they're old fashioned players. Have to contribute more. That Raúl. Fowler, they all, they are players. Tony's of an making era. a face. He's our boss. Let oh, speak. This, this is the oh, the game's changed. The game's changed. What a load of old tosh! If you've got, if you had a Van Nistelrooy now, you put him in that team and he'd score goals. Get the ball to him. That's what you do. But would you get the ball to him as much as as much as? Does Liverpool create a lot of chances? But they create a lot of chances because they've got players around the box. You take one of them out to put a, stri- a poacher in, then you're going to create less chances. It's simple. <laughs> Not scoring goals. You say, "Oh, they create less chances." And if they were scoring goals, if the goals were coming by a shed loads, you go, "Oh, they're creating chances. Great, they're scoring goals. They're not scoring bloody goals." Get a poacher; he'll score goals. And who do you take out for the poacher? I don't bloody know. I'm not Brendan Bloody Rogers. That's what he's paid well, for. Well, but I'll tell you what. But I'll tell you what. I'd take out Barini, and I'll tell you what. Raheem Sterling's too young to be playing every week. I'd take him out. Both John Joe Shelby, you could take out before he gets himself sent off. And both of what? Both of the statements Tony's just made. It. I, I agree with. I think Barini to me looks, and I agree with James on that as well. Barini, Barini to me looks like a younger Dirk Count, and I think there were ten million pounds that they had to spend there that, that, that could have been spent on someone, not necessarily who's a more prolific striker, but someone who's got more experience. But sorry, is it a worry with, with is it is it a worry there specific because and not to pick on Brendan we will move on to uh, in a minute but the, the this idea that I mean Brendan Rodgers was in charge of the transfer market right he he signed Joe Allen and uh, Barini who are two guys he has worked with before yeah. and he knows inside and out so yeah I don't mean it in that way okay. um, but that being the case. You have to guess that this is exactly what he wanted, and it's it's fine for you to say you know we, we could have gone for more traditional striker type or whatever, but presumably this these guys fit perfectly with Brendan's vision 
otherwise, you know, he can't come back and say, oh, I thought Barini was going to be different. Yeah, Alan and Barini seem to be two that he, he, that he specifically wanted. And my question, he would well, say... Because he, he knows them. He's worked with them before. The, it's not the, like they tricked them. Right? The argument is that Rogers didn't have enough money and that FSG screwed him out of money and what have you and didn't put up the funds for Dempsey. I'm not sure that Dempsey was the player Liverpool needed, to be perfectly honest anyway, although I do like Dempsey as a player. But what stuns me is partially that Rogers even if he didn't think he was at the Liverpool job, he must have had players he was looking at for Swansea who would have cost a certain amount of money that he could have got instead of paying £15 million, which is a lot for Joe Allen, or £10 million for Barini. But he didn't have them. He'd say the scouting network wasn't in place. He should have those targets himself. Yeah. A manager will know players. Yeah, and that, that, that troubles me to an extent. And then he gambles by letting Carroll go out on loan. FSG cop all of the blame. That was Rogers' decision to yeah. let Carroll go. All down to Rogers. And he, he deserves a degree of whatever the opposite of credit is for that. Mm. Mm, moving on from, um, fr- from Rogers. Oh, and by the way, sorry, let me just diverge back to the supply dependent goal scorer. Um, I remember uh, the centre forward for the team that was in the final of the Champions League and lost it on penalties. 40 Jeremy. plus goals last season? Yeah. He may be teeny tiny bit supply dependent. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. Good. Just, just wanted to, 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 to check he, on that we're on the same page. And he's old fashioned. And he's old fashioned. Yes. Okay. Uh, goals, old. Are, goals are old fashioned now. Yeah. You know what? Pass completion. Pass completion's the new winning. Well, but Tony, it has been scientifically proven that if you have right, a right, if you have a sixty percent possession rate coupled with a pass completion rate of seventy five percent, I'm calm. I can fight on. I know where I am. All right, somebody who was a bit less calm was John Joe Shelby. Um, you could say this was a turning point in the game. Um, John Joe Shelby goes in on on Evans. Um, I it struck me as the kind of thing that. A referee could have sent them both off. He could have done nothing. He could have sent one of one or the other off based on the angle. Um, I questioned why you would go to ground in that situation. What you hope to get from that? Um, but let's start with. I mean, Ducker, you're impartial here. Um, did they get the decision right with Shelby? Um. Uh. Okay, so all right, all right, all right. Yeah. I, I, I will take your hesitation as the fact that nobody has a strong opinion on whether the, deci- the Shelby decision was right or wrong, yes? I, I, I mean, like you, I don't think you should be giving the referee the opportunity to get it wrong in those situations. There was nothing to be gained by going to ground there. Um, you know, I, I just think it's daft from the player. It's a bad decision by the referee. You see it happen all the time. You're saying nothing, Royce. I'm assuming you agree with our boss, right? Yeah, well, and I'd your boss too. I agree with with Tony as a matter of principle. No, I think I think it's kind of two arguments, aren't there? The Shelby decision, I think, was probably on just just about right given the state of the rules the, the decision not to send Evans off or to give him any sort of punishment is what Rogers seems to be objecting to the problem I have is I don't know if the rules are right I don't know if the rules are as they should yeah, be I agree with that well that, that's I mean that's the point we've made but I mean in this day and age though the reality is John Joe Shelby is a professional footballer and oh yeah it's stupid coaching. you can't you okay. can't deny that yeah. now what about afterwards when he goes off the pitch and shouts at Sir Alex um, I, I believe what was reported was uh, he accused him of grassing him up um, which I, I just want to be clear on this since you guys are more au fait with the um, Anglo vernacular I thought grassing somebody up was sort of you know spying on somebody and reporting them to the authorities sneakily mm. What, did, 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 did Sir Alex communicate sneakily with the chip? And Clearly, the referee didn't see it, and Ferguson you know, grassed him up. 
Right. Ferguson told him, like, oh, by the way, send Shelby clearly, off. Clearly. He looks funny. Get rid of him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Wasn't yeah. the referee actually looking directly at the incident at the time, though? I'm sure Halsey was looking directly at Shelby but, and but, Evans. But if that was true, Shelby would look stupid, wouldn't he? When the incident well, Okay, all right. Let's, let's, I just want to say, anybody think Shelby will get more punishment? Because ultimately, a guy shouting at a manager as he walks off the pitch, it's one thing to lose your call with the referee, but isn't exactly ideal for the image of the game. Anybody thinks he should or will get more punishment? He shouldn't, because football's obsession with punishing people for having personality is pathetic and childlike. And this idea that we, you know, players are getting, Shabot Schwistley getting sent off for Hanover for taking his shirt off is ridiculous. You, 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 make, you make any more reference to, to, to footballers that only I have, I have heard of, and you will be punished yourself. No, okay? do you know what? I, I, I couldn't think of anybody else who's been sent off for taking their shirt also, off recently. Did you notice but, I pronounced it correctly exactly, as well? Exactly. Okay, for those who do not know, for those who do not no, and I, I'm not going to ask you to Google him because his name's impossible to spell. But this is a striker for Hanover. Two weeks ago, uh, he scores the winner in like the 93rd minute in their big derby against Werder Bremen, and then he goes off to celebrate, whips off his shirt so he gets booked the first time, and then jumps into the crowd to celebrate with the fans. This was like the last kick of the game; it was an overhead kick, and the referee says, "Aha, yes, two infractions, okay, two yellows, you're gone and suspended." Okay, but leaving aside okay, that, we're not. Doing the Bundesliga podcast from a week ago, so but. What's what's in, incredibly irritating is football has this weird obsession with with punishing all these little pernickety things. Yeah, Shelby shouldn't have had a go at, at Ferguson, but who cares? Yeah, Who's well, offended I by mean, it? You know, it's it was funny. You know, it's like you know, as he was walking off and going, "Yeah, go ahead, tell him." Right. <laughs> is it, it's it funny an, to you when people disrespect Sir Alex? Do yeah, you well, find it funny. It, he shouldn't have done it clearly, I, but he shouldn't I, be punished I, by I just, it. I just, I just don't really have strong opinions either way but I think the idea of, <laughs> uh, the, the idea of um, the idea of uh, puni- you know uh, landing kind of John Joe Shelby extra punishment because he dared to um, uh, you know have a mouthful at Charles Ferguson is absolutely ridiculous I think far worse is some of the abuse that's been directed at Halsey since you know a lot of taunts about his, about his obviously battle with cancer and I just think, that, think that, that's far more beyond the pale um, actually, let's give props to to Rafael scoring with his uh, wrong foot. Um, hadn't scored. I think he scored one goal since two thousand and nine. Is it his wrong foot, or is that actually Fabio? Yeah, there you go. That, that, that was a layup. Yeah, and well, there's the other issue. Footballers have them wrong feet. Yeah, that's a fair point. That you know. Well, you're 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 ambidextrous. Well, they should be. I mean, what have they got to do? All day except train. My my dad is. Loves Ryan Giggs, but is furious every time he sees Giggs switch onto his left to play to, when he t- should be playing on his right. Because he said quite rightly, Giggs has been training every day for thirty years. Has no one at any point thought saying, Ryan, maybe spend a couple of hours on your right? It's pathetic. I agree. I mean, even even a player of that kind of quality and stature who's done it for that long, it's still bizarre that he's that he look he looks so ineffectual when the when the ball's on his right foot. I just think it should be a basic requirement of the professional that. They. I'm not saying that they they'd be absolutely um, wonderful with two feet, but you would think that they'd be able to use their so-called wrong foot effectively. Look, I still think it was a nice goal from Rafael. I think he meant to do that, and I'm I just trying to Fabio. celebrate this young lad. And you think it's Fabio? There you go. So he's a fraud. Tucker, I, one question I had for you, which struck me: um, Nemanja Vidić 
didn't start. And I, I don't have any inside intel on this, but I, I read and I heard on, on television that he was merely being rested, that there's nothing wrong with him. Um, and I'm wondering, rested for what? Rested for the League Cup yeah, in midweek? It's, it's, there's no rocket science. It's just nonsense. He was injured, which is why he didn't play. He's got a knee injury, which is going to make him a doubt for Spurs, although I'll be able to ascertain a little later how um, serious that is. But if it's the same knee that he's that he suffered a triple, triple rupture of um, last December, then who knows how serious it is. It might just be a bang and he's, and he's a doubt for Spurs. But if it's... Um, if it's a if it's a bad knock that he took in training to to that knee that he had operated on, then obviously he could be out for a bit longer. So but, but but the idea that he was rested is just utter utter nonsense. Well, I what? suppose they could say that technically it's right because he was probably yeah, on no, his sofa he, resting. He, he, he didn't play because he was injured. Rested would suggest that he had the option of playing him if he wanted to, but chose not to. That decision was forced because his knee wasn't up to playing. Why can't clubs just say he's injured? We don't know what condition he's in. Or why this pretense of saying, oh, he's rested? No, he's really fit. I mean, what is it? he doesn't want to give Brendan Rodgers. Is Brendan Rodgers' game plan going to change radically if Vidic is in there instead of Evans? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he, he, he wouldn't have played any attackers, would he? Um, <laughs> you know, it's because football's mad. Football's insane. And people in football are mad. <laughs> On that note, let's uh, let's move uh, move down the that motorway whose number which um, number I can never remember, but uh, runs from Liverpool to Manchester. The 60, M sixty two. The M sixty two. Some you of go. us still take these lengths roads. All right. Is it is it more scenic? When do you go from Liverpool to Manchester? Oh, when do you go to Manchester? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah well, I mean, there's a ban in order for <laughs> me to go to Manchester. Um, James, uh, all right. I was struck by the fact that I thought, especially watching the first half of that game, I thought to myself, right, is Mancini being ridiculously defensive here, or is it just a case that they can't get the ball off Arsenal's midfield? Um, was I barking up the wrong tree? Uh, I don't think the. I don't think he was overly defensive, really. I just think I just don't think one they played very well at all, and secondly. He just seems to be really, really wrestling with his team selection this season. He just, he just really doesn't seem to know who to play when. And he's brought in obviously like four or five more players in the summer, and none of them are good enough to, or arguably good enough to improve the the first team or, or say last season's best team. And yet, obviously, he feels obviously need to accommodate you know Sinclair and Mike on Garcia, etc. And um, I just think he's City is suffering a bit really for a bit of chopping and changing. Mancini not sure, quite sure, you know what his best lineup lineup is. They've chopped and changed with formation. Obviously, he's played three at the back. Yesterday was a sort of four three one two come four four two. Other times it's four two three one. It's the the, the chopping and changing quite a lot. Defense quite a lot. Um, Tactically, and they just all, they just it just doesn't really seem to they, they don't seem to have started this season with much of a cohesive plan. Um, is it, I was asking why uh, though. Is it because 
he's well, made I, too many changes. I, 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 I mean, we'll have to ask Mancini that, but I mean, we, I, I don't I'm know. Assuming if Mancini knew, then he would just fix it rather than intentionally continuing to play badly. Yeah, but I just don't understand why they have, why the, why there's been the dramatic change from the setup and the personnel that were outstanding for, for much of last season. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's got it in his head that Lescott isn't very good on the ball, which, which may well be true, but um, Lescott had a rather good season last, last time around. Um, and so that, co- that company, Lescott Axis, has been disrupted this season, and company actually seems to have been affected by it. Um, Mike, Mike Richards is obviously injured, so there's been some chopping and changing at, at kind of right back. And then De Jong's gone and he can't decide on the two. He he, he, yeah, he kind I, of wants in midfield in the absence of, of Gareth Barry, who's admittedly just kind of recent return from injury. And it's all it's all a bit all over the place, to be honest. And I think given that he's got a few injuries here and there, he's kind of needlessly changed too much too soon when he didn't need to. Roy, are you on board with this, or are you of the party that says, uh, actually, isn't it funny how when Sir Alex Ferguson rotates his squad, he's just rotating his squad, whereas when other people do it, then they don't know what their best 11 is, and they're chopping and changing. And There is an element of that. I think James is right, though, that there's rotating your squad and having a style and a system that stays the same, which United broadly do, and Chelsea do, and you know Arsenal do. Isn't it better to have multiple systems that you can throw? It at probably your is, opposition? but only if your players are comfortable with them. Paul Lambert at Norwich last year changed system loads in the middle of games, and that's what got Norwich a lot of points. And when that works. That and it worked. We call him Paul Lambert. To Paul Lambert, he's the the, foreign, the, the yeah. Frenchman. That's sophisticated. Um, what Manchin? I agree with James. I think what what. Mancini has at the moment is a team that's not entirely certain with what it's meant to be doing loads of players who don't quite look like they're comfortable with their positions or their roles and a team I don't know they just City just looked a bit somewhat I think either Hughesy or Ducky described them today in the paper as being um, looking like they have a hangover and they do they look like they've got a title hangover they just look a bit lackadaisical and a bit sort of if I'm allowed to use slightly blue language a bit half-arsed to be perfectly honest uh, We're talking, might it have something to do with the fact that in their last game they went and uh, were away from home against uh, uh, arguably the best team in the world and they uh, threw away a two point uh, a two goal lead at the very end of the match and maybe that might have a little hangover effect No I think the very I think he's been groping tactically or you know for the whole of the season so far. Um I don't think he's quite sure where his best lineup is. I don't think he's sure. There's nothing wrong with that, is it? Is it is it a bad thing to not know where your best lineup is? Well, well it is when it's affecting your results, Gab. I mean no no quite 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 badly and the team the team and the players clearly seem to be affected by it. I take your point on it's absolutely that you know, Mancini experimenting with having to play in three at the back's absolutely fine. There's you know, it's good to have other options but they literally have played about they've played about four different formations in six games or something so far and the players feel like they're being dragged one you know one way and then the other and they don't really know what they're kind of doing and it was just all a bit um, here you go lads we'll chuck you out there just work it out how, how so, you, I'm sorry guys but I, I, whatever we'll move on with this because I don't want to monopolise this but the guy's trying to do something different it doesn't work. It's an asymmetrical formation, right? He's got weird specialists for certain situations. Mycon's a specialist. Sinclair's a specialist. They may not be good. They may be playing badly. But surely, in and of itself, that's not 
a bad thing. I mean, yeah, but Gab, but Gab, but he's, uh, there's no structure to necessarily to kind of what he's doing. I would agree. If there's, if there's two formations, he was clearly kind of working on one that involved three at the back and another system that maybe had four. Fine, but there's been so many mutations in between that the players just don't really seem to know what's happening from one week to the next. They they just seem to, they just looked a little bit lost to be honest. Um, Tony, uh, moving to Arsenal, which I think a big part of the reason why things didn't work out was I thought Arsenal played yeah. very, very Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Very well. Very well. Um... Now, when people put the point to me that, oh, but without Van per- this they're better without Van Persie because they're not all focusing on him, I kind of said, all right, this is a load of cobblers because, you know, ultimately Van Persie is such a phenomenal player that... But now I'm starting to get my doubts. Um, is it a case that maybe when, when they play D- these wingers, you know, Podolsky and, and whatnot, they, act, they work harder defensively and that this Arteta Diaby situation is working for now because they don't have to do much defending in front of the back four because they have the ball all the time. Is this what's going on? I think the balance is better without Van Persie. I mean, clearly he's, he's a brilliant player, but you know, it's a, I think, you know, the, I think they bought well during the summer and they've got a, a, a more structured team than they've had in the last five five years and I think, uh, I think they'll, they'll do much better this season. But let's, hang, let's hang on a minute though. If Van Persie had played for Arsenal yesterday, they would have won that game. Arsenal played well. I don't dispute that. There was some, there was some, there was some terrific football. Uh, for the most part, they were they were very solid defensively, and they, they fashioned uh, a hell of a lot of chance, uh, some very very good chances. But the point is, is that they missed a number of very very good chances with Jovino at the top. He missed he missed two terrific kind of chances that Van Persie would have taken one of those and equally 
so that that has long been an Achilles heel of Arsenal. You know, not enough ruthlessness in front of goal, which was evident against today. And equally, the goal was another set, another soft goal, another, another you know another set piece. I mean, ball came over, Manoni just needlessly kind of came, got nowhere near it. Less got rose above uh, Koscielny and uh, Podolski, I think it was. Uh, you know, to to head home. I mean, yes. Arsenal, to, from watching yesterday, looked like they were heading in the right direction. But their two big Achilles heels over um, the last however many seasons were evident again yesterday. Roy, I'm dying. To, you get the final verdict on this because I think it's, it's almost like a, a it's almost like an ideological battle. Is this you know in the past we always I, I always looked at Arsenal and I thought they played fantastic football and then it was it was very simple like when they won oh they're fantastic when they lost they'd come out and be like oh well they need Gary Cahill at the back they have no cutting edge they're soft southern fairies yeah. You are the sage. You get the verdict. Plus, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm duty bound to be nice to you this week because otherwise Skinner will, will make life very unpleasant. We, we've been to HR about how yeah, Gab's exactly. been treating me. So um, you get the final. I word? get to decide. Yes, I'm more inclined. I think caution should be should be Arsenal's watchword to an extent. I think they. I saw them against uh, Sunderland on the first day of the season, and they were poor. They just had no ideas. Things have obviously improved massively since then. Podolski settled down nicely. Tazola looks like an excellent player. Interesting that Giroud has kind of been bumped out of the side for Jovino, who's not a strike, who's not an out-and-out striker, never has been. So it, that whole debate about Dolbosque in the summer, sort of Im- impacting Torres' confidence by not by choosing not to play a striker, that should logically now apply to to Arsenal, who are sort of trying to experiment with a, a sort of semi-false nine in Jovino. But there is signs of promise, and I think that teams can be liberated by losing their stars. I think that's definitely a factor. Semi false nine. On <laughs> that note, you need to have a word, really, don't you? With all these no, but no, but I think that's I think that's that's kind of fair, isn't it? Jovino's not on, he's not playing as an out and out striker, is it? Some might argue that Robin van Persie didn't play as an out and out striker yeah, last possibly, year either. Yeah. Yeah, so there, fair point. Yeah. All right, now on our debate, and, and I hope we take this all seriously in the, in the spirit it was intended, Tony, um, I want to talk about what level of abuse, and it's more of a moral, a, a moral and an ethical argument, I guess, what level of abuse is, is acceptable or, or can we live with in a football ground? Does it matter what areas of the ground it happens? And the reason I bring this up is, We've all paid to attend football at different stages in our life. We may not pay that often anymore, but when we go, you know, you hear you hear banter, you hear insults directed at opposing players and opposing fans. Um, there are basic rules in place right now. Um, race, racial uh, abuse is is not allowed. Um, homophobic abuse is not allowed. Sectarian abuse is not allowed. Either. Even then, you know, what's there? I don't quite get the definition of sectarian. Um, I don't think that's very clear. What are we comfortable with? And I'll start with you, Tony, because I'm assuming you've been going to football longer than we have. Uh, and you probably saw it when the abuse was maybe worse than it is 
today. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, you know, I remember being at Anfield when you know you had fifty three thousand people making monkey noises at Clyde Best, you know, and um, and I think it's it's changed and it's changed so much for the better now, you know. So, I mean, I think possibly we get ourselves worked up into a bit of a state and saying, oh, you know, how terrible it is and you know the things I said. I mean. To be honest, I think the mo- most of the taboo areas are clear. You know, race. You know that you don't do that, and um, I, I, I don't think it's a, that big an issue, really. Well, I, I, I'm not trying to say my. I'm going to agree when, when abuse is targeted at an individual. Mm. Um, but I was thinking more recently about obviously was coming to the fore at the weekend about the songs about Munich and, and the songs about Hillsborough. It seems to me that, and and, and this is the, 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 there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect because this seems to me endemic to European football and perhaps certain areas of South America. I don't know that there's any other sport in any other part of the world where you think, oh, look, to wind them up, you know, I'm going to go and make a joke about an airplane crashing in 1958 or, you know, oh, I, I'm going to remind you that, you know, 96 of your fellow supporters uh, died because they, they were crushed to death in an overcrowded um, pen. It just seems like it, it doesn't—it just, just wouldn't cross anybody's mind, not necessarily because of it's so tasteless and offensive, but just because it's just such an inane thing to do. Well, there's, there's kind of an interesting— Dynamic. There's like a broader issue at, at stake, isn't there? That, that, that you, you say to people that chants are, are, about certain things are unacceptable in football grounds, and they will say the people who, who defend the right to basically go into a football stadium and do whatever you like will say that you have to expect it. It's tribal. It's what's always happened. It's football. You know, people behave differently. It's a kind of a mob mentality. Of course, you wouldn't do it on the street, but it's it's different in the stadium. That seems to be the logic. That's basically people saying that once you're part of a football supporting crowd you you are not subject to the laws of human decency and that you you are essentially an uncontrolled animal who will just say all these things that come into your head i don't understand at what point we kind of got to the stage where this argument existed where you were allowed to go into a stadium and say right you know what those those boundaries and those those lines that we have outside of football stadiums they don't apply anymore I don't see why they don't apply swearing I guess if you're kind of upset you're angry and stuff I can, I can understand swearing you hear people swear on the street the, the basic rule don't racially abuse anyone don't issue homophobic abuse at anyone although that's a much more grey area than racial abuse um, and don't mock the dead it, that's not hard this isn't hard stuff this isn't sort of complicated or controversial that's basic sort of human decency Tucker I, um, I, I remember um, going to watch England which is a rarity in Italy um, and being surrounded Emil Heskey got on the ball and there's a bloke about a couple of rows across from me who shouted go on you black bastard and um, in a really, and no one around him whatsoever batted, batted an eyelid. And it wasn't said, not condoning it whatsoever, it wasn't said viciously, it wasn't whether, he just kind of almost, just clearly just said it, probably came out without him even thinking about it. Whereas I've been in grounds and you stood around people who've done monkey noises, and you've got a lot of people looking around with looks of kind of disgust on the face. And... There just, there just seems to be, there seems to be, such a, 
a, a kind of a, a, a discrepancy in what a lot of people consider just to be banter or harmless or whatever, and those that consider to be you know really kind of vicious, well, you know, aggressive kind of um, aggressive behaviour. Uh, well, if, if there is, what's so, what's acceptable, so, 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 Jim? I mean, well, I don't, I, I, look, I don't, let me I, give you an example from from yesterday, right? A song that you hear everywhere. I think Liverpool go right. The song where you go sign on, sign on with the pen in your hand, right? Is that acceptable? I think it probably is. Yeah, I think it is. I, I find it. I was going to say I find it quite ironic to be at Anfield and what and listening to people from Portsmouth and Sunderland sing it. Just it's not like they're sort of zones of great economic prosperity, especially at the moment when there's a massive recession. Okay, all over but, the country. but even if you had a bunch of but, a, a yes. bunch of wealthy people singing it, right? So the you had Dave Cameron sitting there so, singing it. I mean, would that would that be? I mean, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a vote winner, Jab. The my problem with this is that I think generally in life the rule. Is as, as set out by South Park that it's either all okay or none of it's okay, and draw it's where you draw a line that's a problem. So I find chants about Munich and Hillsborough disgusting and distasteful, and I can't understand how why people do, you do find them. It, here, just ask you, why do you find the chants about Munich disgusting? I mean, a, people die, a, airplanes crash, right? Yeah, um, it's a fact of life. But do you not find the, when you, the, the, when the, 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 the no? But I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, I'm not saying that that they're not unpleasant or, or offensive, but. This happened in 1958, right? Most of the people on the ground weren't even alive back then. Most of the relatives of people uh, who died weren't alive then. Those people could have could have died falling down the stairs. They could. They could. I mean, you know. It, yeah, well, I agree, and I think the reason. I, is it, I wonder if, to some degree, sometimes, and, and I get this sense is, a lot of the people who get so angry over these chants, and I agree with you, they are tasteless and they're vile, and I and I and, and I think for the people who were directly affected. There must be horrible. But a lot of other people, I think, walk around and just just waiting for that Munich chance so I can get angry at them, or I'm just waiting for the Hillsborough chance so I can get really, really angry and wound what, up. What, what, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that probably what's, what's universally true is the people who are getting really outraged and offended weren't alive. So, well, obviously weren't alive for Munich. A lot of them probably weren't, don't consciously remember Hillsborough. And I think a lot of the people getting, who had made it, doing the chance uh, will, will be in their, their early 20s and don't remember either either disaster and have and have no sort of concept. There's this, this, you, you distance yourself as a human from these things, that from tragedies. You, that's natural and they become something that doesn't have any emotional resonance with you and that's, that is what happens. Are we making a bigger issue out of this or or or... <laughs> Or should we go and just say these things are so out of bounds that you know we should treat them the way the same way we would treat somebody if they racially abuse a player or or, or, or the like? I, I think we are blown to our proportion. I mean, the reality is, I have never a Munich chance inside the grounds when Liverpool are playing for a long time inside the stadium. Um, I think. You know, you hear it outside the stadium. You hear it in pubs. Um, you know, in, in when I was in, um, in in Madrid a couple of years ago, I mean, there was there was a gang of lads singing Harold Shipman songs, and you know, I was like, no, I'm not having this. You know, and I'd words with them, and you know, and 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 I think there's an element of self policing with the fans. I mean, and, and I think, uh, I mean, generally the people who do this, in my experience, are young, the retention seekers. They want to show that they're, you know. They're, I mean, there's a few roles who do it, and you know the the vermin. But it's such a small minority, really. And you know, and and I think uh, to blow it up and start, you know, I mean, they were talking about uh, last week when uh, United they were singing um, "Always the Victims." It's never never your fault. Get them on CCTV and ban them. Well, for why? 
you know, it's like, all right, yeah, I know that there, there, there is an undercurrent aimed at Hillsborough for that. But, you know, you can't convict them, you can't ban them. And, and in the light of the Hillsborough Independent Panel, they just look like flat earthers. And so let's treat it with the contempt it deserves and let's not make a big issue of it. Football fans have a bad enough reputation and um, and this this blows up a small thing into a massive thing. The issue with Hillsborough particularly is not what Manchester United fans saying or any other fans saying. The issue with Hillsborough is the 23 years of cover-up by the authorities in this country. Man United fans sinning always the victim, never your fault. Anfield, as they allegedly did yesterday yesterday after the game in response to, to aeroplane gestures, that's bad and, it suggest, and it's distasteful and it doesn't suggest that they are people who should be looked at as moral arbiters of this country but they haven't denied anyone justice for 23 years do you know what I mean That's, it's important we don't lose sight yeah, of sticks it sticks and stones yeah to an extent I mean I've, I've heard when I went to Ellen Road as a kid I heard and saw yeah but that's Mun- Leeds come Mun- on Munich so I know you can't say that's Leeds Munich songs and aeroplane gestures when United weren't there I thought the weirdest thing about football I find is clubs singing about songs that aren't there when their game's not on telly who can- are you watching Manchester no it's not on television why would they search out a Leeds game to watch you get that Ridiculous. a lot of, you get that a lot of London grounds yeah it's Spurs. pathetic yeah are you- Spurs singing about Chelsea when, when at sort of a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday and it's weird who cares just support I, your team yeah, I, I also think it's you know, it's, you know talking about like you know the Dole song I remember when uh, when it cost twenty eight quid to get in at Chelsea, and um, like Chelsea so come down to London, it's cost me like twenty five quid, thirty quid on the train, twenty eight quid to get in, and those like all these Chelsea fans opposite with wads of cash, going loads of money, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I've just spent tons, and okay, you're waving. I, 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 Tony, I, I would expect that those Chelsea fans were assuming that you snuck onto the train without paying your ticket, and then later bunked into the ground. No, I think that's why they were doing that. Yeah, well, possibly, but you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't think they they imagine that you took like the you know the 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 first class advance fare from Liverpool Lime Street down, and that you know you were going to go stay at the uh, Grosvenor House Hotel that night. An interesting fact about Tony Evans is that he has never been in standard class on the train. He only travels first class with his own personal butler. We we we, we need to move on here because smoke is starting to come out of Chris Skinner's ear. Um, I don't know if we solved any uh, moral maze here, but at least. Rory got to reveal that Tony Evans has a personal butler. All right, time now for some quick hits. John Terry is retiring from England duty. Tony, I get the fact that there's a lot to do with his upcoming hearing, which by the time you listen to this podcast might have been resolved. But if that's the case, why didn't he quit when he was charged or quit after his last England appearance? And... What impact will this have on the three lines? Who knows what goes on inside the mind of John Terry, if indeed there is a mind. Um, I don't think it'll have much of an impact at all. I think he was going to get retired anyway very, very soon by his um, by the fact that he's slowing down. And um, you know, I think his time as an England player was coming to a rapid end. I just find it remarkable how few players seem to attract as much universal loathing as John Terry. Everton are third in the table, Ducker. On Saturday, they beat everybody's darling, Swansea. Are you ready to go out on a limb and start talking Champions League for the Toffee Men? Unfortunately not. I would dearly love to see them in the Champions League. I think they're um, a very, very good team. I think 1-11, um, they are good enough um, to... Uh, get there but um, the squad unfortunately isn't and I think one or two injuries to um, to key players or, or general fatigue over the, 
the uh, course of the season will um, prevent them from from a top four finish, but I'd still expect them to get in the top uh, six, possibly seven. Rory, Tony Pulis was furious after his team fell at Chelsea 1-0. He had a go at Ivanovic and Oscar, urged the media to highlight those who dive and cheat and added, this is England. We're playing in England, not in Europe. Um, Rory, you're a notorious little Englander. Um, are you on board with this whole cheating foreigners thing? Or can you perhaps name a couple English players who also enjoy the occasional tumble? In fact, I can think of one guy who uh, likes to handle the ball in the opposing box, not once, but twice, score a goal, and then smile about it afterwards. You mean Peter Trouch? Uh, yes. And you also mean his strike partner, Michael Owen, who's a player who's not afraid of a dive. The idea that foreigners dive and English players don't is ridiculous. The fact that we're still upset about diving is equally ridiculous. It's the 21st century. Players will do anything anything for an advantage. If you dive well, it should be celebrated. West Brom are also up in third place alongside that team in blue we mentioned before, but I won't mention again because I don't want to upset you, Tony. Is it Steve Clark's genius? Is it a very well-run club? Is it perhaps a bit of good luck early in the season, uh, given that they really haven't played too many good sides? Or just why are they third in the table? Well, I mean, who saw that coming? Um, I think it's a combination of all those things. Um, you know, I think, I didn't expect Steve Clark to have such an impact in management. Um, you know, so it's uh, an, another one sacked by Liverpool to be in the summer. Um, I think it is a well-run club in the sense that you know um, they don't spend a lot of money. They keep you know keep things tight there, and um, and I think they've you know sort of had easy fixtures like Liverpool at home. I don't think we'll see them up there at the end of the season. But you know what? Good luck to them. All right, one word answer: If you could swap Brendan Rodgers for Steve Clark right now, would you do it? No. All right. Southampton hammer Villa four-one, and uh, Ricky Lambert or Ricky Lambert, as us uh, Europhiles like to call him, nails. Another two goals, Ducker. I won't ask you about Lambert in England because everyone tells me that that ship has sailed. But can you break him down and tell me just why he's uh, one of the top goal scorers in the Premier League right now? Well, I mean, he spent his you know entire career in the football league, you know, likes of Stockport and Rochdale, Bristol before joining Southampton. Just looks to me like a player who has been waiting for this moment for a long time and he, he also from what I've seen admittedly I haven't seen a lot of him before looks a very good finisher great finisher maybe not exactly the quickest player out there maybe that's why he's been overlooked in the past Tottenham endured a horrible first half only to come back and win against Reading 2-1 Quite the roller coaster for AVB, uh, who was booed at halftime and celebrated big time at the end. Rory, you wrote about the great man in Monday's paper. Tell us more. Yeah, it's an interesting afternoon for for Vias Boas. Just he's got this uneasy relationship with Spurs' fans, who I don't think really wanted him at the start, and they're, they're going to take a lot of winning over. When Defoe scored, and when then when the final whistle went, Vias Boas was he sort of had a fit in terms of celebrations. He, it was this frenzied, manic celebration. It meant a lot. That that first win was really important. It's going to help win the fans over. It, I think he's learnt a lot, Vias Boas, from his time at Chelsea. Not only does he no longer crouch on the sidelines, he is also playing a system that suits his players. He's shown a bit of tactical awareness. The team, they look decent, Spurs. I think they'll, they'll be all right. And with Stefan Freund next to him, he has probably the most frightening man in the world. I, I love the fact that I went to Spurs v Lazio and I asked him a question about Lazio for, um, and he just launched into like a three-minute tactical analysis. This guy played here, that guy played there, and we countered it with this and that, which is absolutely perfect and I absolutely loved. And you could tell he absolutely loved saying it. And afterwards, I uh, joked with one of our colleagues, uh, Henry Winter, like, oh, that question 
questions for the foreign press. Nobody in England wants to read that stuff. And I thought, like, yeah, you're probably right. Well, and there's one for you, Gab. Uh, but between them, the Milan clubs have played eight home matches this season. Um, how have they been getting on? And I imagine not very well, otherwise you wouldn't have written this question for me to ask you. Uh, that's exactly right. They have won zero. That's zero wins out of eight for the two Milan clubs. Now, they have a new pitch at the at the San Siro, which is partly artificial, but that's got nothing to do with it. The real answer is that they are just very, very bad. AC Milan lost their best players. They replaced them with bad players, simply put, and stupid players who get themselves sh- foolishly sent off, like Kevin Prince-Botang and Philip Mexis. Um, Inter Milan they've got their head where the sun doesn't shine right now and they're trying different solutions having a weird mixture of of youth and and older players it's just not taking off for them big difference between the two is the interim manager will be given time Um, Allegri I'm not sure sure that's it for this week. It's been fun. Come find us on Twitter to share your thoughts or email gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk. Uh, you can also go to our website where you'll find the news, the gossip, your analysis. And on Mondays, a triple dose of Rory K. Smith. You get his blog. You get his web chat. You get his appearance on the game podcast. What could be better? That's why Mondays are everybody's favorite day of the week. Uh, also, my excellent column is also in there on Mondays as well. Thanks to my guests, uh, James Ducker, Tony Evans, and of course, Rory Kay. Till next week. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.